Hey everyone, thank you for joining us on this week's podcast and happy Thanksgiving. If you live in America, uh, this week is Thanksgiving and just wanted to take this time to wish you a happy Thanksgiving and remind you of the power of Thanksgiving and the power that it has in your life. And, and we wrote about that this month in our partner letter. If you didn't receive that and you would like to get a copy, please go ahead and go to uh, bygraceinternational.com, sign up for our mailing list, and let us know that you want to receive our partner letter. You can also shoot us an email at contact at bygraceinternational.com, and we'd be more than happy to send that over to you. So this week I want to begin a new series, and I want to start talking about one of my favorite topics. Um, I want to start talking to you about grace, and we're going to go in a lot of detail, I'm not sure how many weeks we're going to go on this, but this is something that I want to go ahead and really, uh, really dive into uh, because I, I, this is a message that's changed my life. This is a message that when, when I first began to learn about this about five or so years ago, five and a half years ago, um, it, it, turned, it turned my thinking on its head. It, it really began to revolutionize my entire life, and I know I alluded to this a little bit in, in last week's podcast, but I want to go ahead and just really begin to dive into a, a deep understanding of what grace is and go into uh, how this affects our lives as a Christian, how, how we're supposed to live as Christians, as believers, under the new covenant of grace. And in order to understand the differences between the new covenant and the old, we need to go and, and understand the entire picture. And so we're going to go and really dive in to this over the next couple weeks, and and I am writing a few uh, blogs that are due to start coming out in the next couple months um, on the subject of grace and, and really diving into grace and its application for the believer. I, I'm working on a book as well. I don't have an estimated release date for that, but I, I'm working on a book on just understanding grace to its fullest. So, so that being said, the first question I want to go ahead and ask is why grace? Why grace? And I wrote last week uh, on a blog called It Doesn't Mix about trying to mix the law and grace. And this is something that we see so often throughout Christianity is, is the mixture of law and grace and trying to put to the two together. But in reality, the Bible tells us that we are justified by our faith. Let's go ahead and look at Galatians chapter 3 and... Uh, verse 23, it says, before faith came, that means faith in Jesus, before faith in Jesus came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. The purpose of the law was to show us that no matter what we did, no matter how good we measured up, we had no chance on our own of measuring up to God's standard, that on, on my own, on my own effort, I could not meet it. So it, it's the, the purpose of the law is to bring man to an end to himself. Now notice verse 25. After faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For though you are all sons of God through or for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So notice that after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Notice that you are not under a tutor anymore. No longer do you have to go and try and live your life by measuring up to some external standard of holiness. Now, 
a lot of people are going to stop me right there and turn this off and, and say, well, he's just saying that we don't need to, to live right and you can go ahead and lie and cheat and steal and do whatever you want. And I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is I don't need to trust in myself to behave right. I don't need to trust in my own effort, my own performance, my own beliefs to behave right. What I need to do is I need to trust in Jesus. And as I trust in Jesus, putting my faith, my reliance solely on him, as I begin to do that, what happens is that he begins to instruct me. Remember we said the other week that our pattern is belong, believe, behave. Once you've reached the belief step and you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to change you from the inside out, once you've reached that step of of believing and, and then the Holy Spirit begins to direct you about behaving right, it's not about following a, a list of rules and regulations. It's living your life as the Holy Spirit directs. I, I know in my own life and uh, not to get too sidetracked here, but I was I, I had a problem with habitual lying for the longest time, and I don't know why I did. I mean, we're talking over the stupidest, stupidest things. I would be a teenager, and I'd be sitting at home, and my parents would be out doing something, and mom would call on the phone and say, did you do the dishes? Yep, the dishes are done, and then I'd get off the phone, and I'd go do the dishes. It, even things that didn't need to be lied about. I wouldn't have gotten in trouble if I had said, you know, Mom, I didn't do the dishes, but I'm going to go ahead and do them right now. They'll be done by the time you get home, or I'll be finishing them right when you get home. She would have said, that's great. That's fine. Go ahead and do it. But, you know, for whatever reason, I had in my head that I had to lie to cover, to cover whatever, you know, that I played video games the whole time they were gone, or whatever it is a teenager does. And so I, I decided in myself that I had to go and, and lie. And this became a pattern. This became something that the Holy Spirit really had to deal with me about. Now, for years, I looked at it under the command of thou shalt not lie. You shall not lie. Don't 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 lie. Liar, liar, pants on fire. And <laughs> that is just one of the most counterproductive ways to handle things. I mean, in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, it tells us that the strength of sin is in the law. Literally, the power of sin comes from the commandment not to do something. You see this all the time with children and toddlers. If you if you have if if you have something hot on the stove and you tell your two year old, your three year old, don't touch the stove or don't put your finger in that electrical socket, what's the first thing they want to do? Go touch the stove or put that finger in the in the electrical socket. Uh, uh, you know, I could tell you, uh, you know, do not whatever you do, do not think about a pink elephant. Don't do it. Stop. Don't think about a pink elephant. And the first thing that the majority of you are going to want to do is start thinking about a pink elephant. So anyways, that was how I tried to manage lying in my life. I, I sat there and I said, nope, I can't lie. I need to tell the truth. I need to tell the truth. I need to tell the truth. I need to stop lying. And then one day, I, I just once I started to grab a hold of this, I just stopped. I stopped trying to, to correct my behavior, and I began to focus on Jesus. And I began to worship him. And I said, Holy Spirit... Correct me if I'm ever off course. Correct me if I'm doing anything wrong. And the, the Holy Spirit began to show me how to adjust my how to adjust my uh, my language and what I would say so that I wasn't lying about things. I wasn't habitually lying about things that I didn't mean to be lying about. And it, it got to the point where 
uh, as the Holy Spirit began to go and correct my behavior, he'd give me a little nudge when I'd say something. He'd say, that was a lie. You need to make it right. And I would go and I would, I'd stop myself and I'd say, I'm sorry, what I just said to you wasn't true. Uh, what really happened is such and such. And it, it came to a point about two years ago, I want to say, uh, I was working and I was going to send an email to a coworker. And I, I, I'm going to send the email and I'm telling them, yeah, the document you need is attached here. And my plan was to fire off the email and then go attach the document. And then once I attach the document, be good to go, right? You know, by the time they read the email, the document's all attached. And the Holy Spirit stopped me before I hit the send button. I kid you not. He stopped me and he said, if you click send on that email, you've just told a lie. <laughs> and I stopped and I said, what do you mean, Holy Spirit? What do you mean? And he said, you said in the email that the document was attached, past tense. And I said, yes. He said, but you're planning on going and attaching it after you hit send. Is that correct? And I said, yes. He said, so from your perspective, it is not yet attached. That is a lie. And I'm telling you, this, this type of conviction from the Holy Spirit about changing your behavior couldn't have come under the law. The commandment to thou shalt not lie, do not lie, do not lie, do not lie, do not lie, never gets you to that point. I stopped in my tracks and I said, oh my God, Lord, what have I, what have I been doing? Forgive me, Father. And I, I went and before I hit send on the email, I, I stopped and I went and I attached that document. And then I reread the email to make sure that I had done everything I had said I had already done in that email. And then I went ahead and sent it off. And so, you know, don't, don't go ahead and think when, when we say that we're not trying to manage behavior, that we're not concerned with behavior. You know, don't, don't, don't get it confused because behavior is important, but the way to live your life right under this new covenant of grace is to live your life at the direction of the Holy Spirit. And he will always lead you and guide you in conjunction with the word of God. So I said all that to take us to Galatians chapter five. And Galatians five, Paul is writing here, and I, I'm just, again, laying a foundation for uh, why grace? Why do we need to focus on grace as New Testament believers? And, you know, so many Christians, so many churches go and they preach this message of salvation. And the, the message of salvation is great. And they preach it that it's, you are saved by grace through faith. That is absolutely the truth. You are saved by grace through faith. You didn't do anything to earn your salvation. But then this is where the, the modern church has gotten it wrong. They twist it and say, you need to maintain your salvation by your works. You need to maintain your salvation by measuring up to the standard of the law. And again, churches don't go and hold everyone up to the entire standard of the law. It's a, it's a customized version of the law that we've gone ahead and, and customized to fit our own needs. Uh, Galatians 5, and let's go ahead and start in verse 3. Paul's writing here, he says, again, I testify to every man who becomes circumcised, and he's, he's not talking if you were circumcised as a baby, he's saying that every man who becomes circumcised under religious obligation, uh, who becomes circumcised, he's a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. Uh, another translation says that you have become alienated from Christ by attempting to be justified by the law. 
You have fallen from grace. <laughs> you have fallen from grace. By trying to maintain a standard of holiness based on the law, Paul indicates that is what falling from grace is. Falling from grace doesn't mean you sin. That when you sin, you fall into grace. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. But you have fallen from grace when you try to measure up and to maintain your, your standards for behavior by, by going to the law. The law is powerless to do what the Holy Spirit desires to do through you. Uh, James goes ahead and he tells us that if we sin in one area of the law, that we're guilty of the entire thing. <laughs> so notice that he's not even talking just about the Big Ten. You know, the, the Big Ten are important, but he's talking about the entire law. If you miss it, in, if you try to keep the law, if you try to measure up to that standard and you miss it in one area, you wear some mixed fabrics, you have some pork for lunch, you know, you have some, some barbecue ribs for, you know, whatever, some bacon on your cheeseburger. You, you have missed the law in one area and now you're guilty of the entire thing. <laughs> How crazy is that? You, you see, this is the impossible standard to which the law has set. And we're going to go in the next couple of weeks and begin to, to look at the standards throughout the Bible leading up to uh, the new covenant of grace. But this is the impossible standard that the law has set for us as, as believers. It's gone and it's told us that you must do right in order to get right. You must behave in order to, in order to receive all the benefits. And that's not at all what, what the case is. The New Testament doesn't tell us that this is how we're supposed to live. In fact, look at Hebrews chapter 8, um, starting in verse, let's go ahead in verse 7. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says that if the first covenant or the law had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Uh, and he goes on to say that he's going to make this covenant with the house of Israel or spiritual Israel and write their laws on their his laws on their mind and write them in their hearts. And he will be merciful. Notice this. He says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds. Verse 12, I will remember no more. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Did you know in the Old Testament that God was not able to be merciful to your unrighteousness without a sacrifice? They had to go and every time you went and you sinned, you had to go and bring your sacrifice and offer it up to God in order for God to be merciful to your unrighteousness. But God said, no more. I am done with that. I am going to make a new agreement between myself and man, and I'm going to take humanity out of the center of that agreement. I am going to be in the center, and, and humanity is going to benefit from this agreement, I will be, I've offered up the sin sacrifice one time for all men. That's who Jesus was, the sin sacrifice for one time for all men. And then he says that I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. So he's gone and he's no longer remembering or counting your deeds or your trespasses or your transgressions against you. How exciting is that? God is no longer doing that. He said, under this new covenant of grace, you have one responsibility. Your job is to believe. Your job is to believe. All you are required to do is believe. Let's go ahead a few pages over in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. 
It says that by that will or by the will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of Jesus Christ once for all. One time, for all time, Jesus Christ was the final sacrifice. If there was a final sacrifice, that means there's no need in you going and offering up another. If he was the final sacrifice to wipe out all of our sins for all time, and once he did that, uh, let's, let's go in verse chapter 11, or verse 11, I'm sorry, Hebrews 10, verse 11, every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, referring to Jesus Christ, after, it, he, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, the one sin sacrifice has been offered forever. Your sin problem, the issue with sin, has been settled in your life. It's up to you whether you choose to receive it. Now, verse uh, verse uh, 12, continuing there, he, once he'd offered the one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. <laughs> Do you see how exciting that is? God has perfected you once for all time. You are being sanctified and he has already perfected you. God sees you as perfect in Jesus Christ because of what Jesus has done for you. All that's left for you to do is sit down and enjoy it. So <laughs> with that being said, we're going to pick up here next week and, and begin to dive into the the prior covenants before the new covenant and look at the agreement between God and man and how God went and God had to operate and how God dealt with man and how it was all paving the way for grace to come into your life. And I, I really think that this will begin to change your life if you'll let it. This message of grace, I know for myself, it set me free and I believe that it has the power to do the same for you. Well, thank you again for joining us. Again, happy Thanksgiving. Um, enjoy, enjoy the holiday. Spend some time with your family. Uh, enjoy the, the turkey or, or whatever foods you, you choose to enjoy. Watch some football if that's your thing. And check out our website. It's uh, bygraceinternational.com. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. We're at all of those, at bygraceintl. So go ahead and check us out there. It's, it's really the best way to stay up to date with everything that we're we're pushing out on a weekly basis. We've got tons of content coming to you. Thank you again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed week.